0: Forward to the things that you were going to reveal to us, share with us here in the service. We're receptive, we're ready, and our ears are open. We thank you, Father, for your anointing that is on your word here this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. Glory to God. You may be seated. We welcome Kelly and Gina to our service again today. This is our last one. If you missed any of the first three, you can go up online, they are posted. You can download those, podcasts, and whatever you normally would do. They are there and available for you. They have a book table out here in the back. They'll be talking about some of the things there that you can go back there and to to get. We have the children in the service with us today. We usually do when we have special guests out so that everybody can get a chance to enjoy the anointing that is on them. So that's, uh, we welcome the children here. And children, the children's bulletins, the children's sermon notes are in play. So pull them out them on out and meet me in the back the way we normally do, and we have the treasure box open for you to, to, uh, to get one of those. So, uh, uh, Brother Kelly, come on.
1: Good morning. How's everybody today? Did you know that you are a blessed people? I am dead serious. You are a blessed people. We've gotten to know your pastors over the weekend. We just met them on Thursday night. You are so blessed to have these pastors. We absolutely are in love with them. We have kindred spirits, and this church just feels like home. If we lived here, this would be our church home. But you're also blessed to have this worship team. I just want to tell you, it's been a long, long time since I have been that deep in the spirit in a worship service, and I just want to thank all of your worship leaders and minstrels. That was just absolutely wonderful, and it has been such a delight to be here over the weekend. It's been an honor for us, and I just want to tell you, you are a hungry people, (laughs) Because as ministers, we can really tell, we can feel it as we're ministering, the hunger in the hearts of those that are listening to us. And it feels to us like heaven was absolutely pulled out of our spirit this weekend. You know, it's not like this everywhere. I wish to God it was. <laughs> but I want to thank you for your hungry hearts, for your, for your lives, for your hunger for God, And we just want to tell you we love you, and even though this is our first time here, we're carrying you home in our hearts. We're carrying you home as individuals, as we had lunch with yesterday and as we met over the weekend. We're carrying home the mission of this church, and we want to continue to support it in prayer. We believe in you. We believe in what you're doing, and just have a really kindred spirit on on the mission and the calling of this local body. Before I minister this morning, I wanted to to make some things available to you as far as the products we have. And this has been a spirit-led prayer conference. And I want to talk again about Gina's series on prayer. But before I do that, I just want to highlight, uh, this is a book my wife co-wrote with Melanie Henry, She she writes the partner profiles for Kenneth Copeland's magazine. You may have read some of her articles before as well. It's a fabulous set of four books. This one happens to be on healing. My wife, who is a wonderful Bible teacher, she wrote the beginning and the end of the books and did the teaching part, but in the middle is several testimonies of people that really got a hold of God In this case, for healing, I mean miraculous, supernatural healings. And like Gina said Friday, they didn't come from the laying on of hands. We believe in that. But these are people that got a hold of the word of God. And over a course of months, and sometimes even a couple years, they saw the full manifestation of of either praying for their children to be healed or healed themselves. And... These two together, this is a series I did in a Bible school called Christ the Healer. And if you know somebody that's sick, does anybody know? Well, let me ask that differently. Is someone in this room battling sickness right now and you need a breakthrough in your body? I'd like to give that to you, sir. You come to me. Got it. Okay, all one family. And also, if you know of someone that's sick, come and see me at the table. I'd like to give you another copy of those to give to someone that's battling sickness. I'm telling you, folks that are sick need not to be sick because of Jesus. Um, We have some of these back at our table. Um, I'm only highlighting this right now in in the event that you would want to go to our website for any reason. The website address is at the top, as well as our email if you might have any questions. Uh, but we also have an email list where we send out teachings every once in a while. And if you would like to sign up for that list, the easiest thing to do is just go to our website. And there's a link there. You just click on it, you fill out your name and email and your state, I believe it is. And then once you do that and it's sent off, you'll get another email back from us saying, Are you really you? And of course, you know you are, so you can click that, um, but we just want to make that available. Finally, before I minister, I just want to draw your attention to these two series. Gina developed this a while back, actually several years ago. She based, th- this is two Bible stool- school classes, eight Bible school lessons on fellowship prayer, eight Bible school lessons on ready for the battle. She she patterned this off something Dr. Paul Yangi Cho said. He said there is fellowship prayer and there's task prayer. There's the type of prayer where we get to know God and learn how to fellowship and commune with him and worship him. And he said there's also task prayer, the kind of prayer that changes things. This is the prayer of intercession. This is spiritual warfare in a very balanced manner. Uh, Some of the other lessons are the prayer of supplication, all dressed up with somewhere to go. I like that one. And actually, we've had so many people talk about the very first lesson in this Bible school course called God's Dream of Fellowship with Man. Gina got that by the Spirit when we were flying into Portland back in 2003, and she opened up her entire course with that message. So yesterday, a very generous person came to my table and said, we want your product in the hands of anybody that wants it. And they handed me a financial gift to make that possible. So what we would like to do is um, we've got these on CD, but we also have them on MP3. This here is a CD with MP3 uh, files that have the audio from from these two Bible classes. I want to give anyone who wants this today free. So just come to our table afterwards, and I want to give you a copy of the MP3. If you're technologically challenged and you just do CDs, come and talk to me. We want to make a way for you to have this and to go through it. And I'm going to do one additional thing today. As I was ministering uh, in praise and worship today, The Lord just put this on my heart. We've never done this, but like I said, this is a Bible school class, and we've never made this available, but I'm going to send Connie the PDF file of the course handouts that Gina developed for this class. And if you take one of these home today, I want you to commit to listening to it because this is what this conference has been all about this weekend is spirit-led prayer. And this is a systematic course to teach you on these different kinds of prayer and take you to a whole new level in your prayer life. David, come here just a second. These are dear friends of ours from the Pensil- uh, Philadelphia area. Good morning, everyone. I've known them about 10 years. Just take two minutes, no more. <laughs> That's why you me up and not my wife. He's, he's a preacher, <laughs> so he can take more. <laughs> I just want you to tell them what happened to you when you were in that rental car driving back from Philadelphia. When, when you first listen to... Oh, okay. He then I'm wrong. You just tell them... We, <laughs> have, no, we
2: have been blessed <laughs> the Linuses for almost 15 years, which means we all met in high school, right? <laughs> and if I've said this to my, to my wife one time, I've said it 10 times, and that is... When you are, are feeding on Pastor Kelly and Pastor Gina, you not only are receiving revelation knowledge from the Word of God, and how many know from Matthew chapter 7, that's how we build our house, right? On the rock of revelation of the Word of God. But you, you are there is such an anointing to inspire in what they teach. Every time I listen to you guys, I have an hour and a half commute each way to work, and I'm listening right now to prayer one again. So Pastor Gene and I are together every morning, and I am so inspired by the time I get to work. And with what I do, I need to be inspired. So if you want to be inspired to go deeper into the things of the Lord through prayer, then I highly recommend you get these. If if you don't have a lot of desire for that right now, listen to these, and you and that desire will just start to grow and burn
1: inside of you. Amen. Thank you. You did good. Thank you. That was wonderful. But anyway, I just wanted David to say that. Um, So I'm going to send the PDF file for the course handouts to Connie, and I'm going to give her some cash, and if she would go to Kinko and reproduce those for anyone that wants them in the church. And if this isn't your church home and you won't have access to those handouts that way, send us an email. I'll make sure we find a way to get the handouts into your hands. We just really have a desire for you to to grow in prayer and become all that God has called you to be. God bless you. Well, this is our final message. This is bittersweet this morning. I'll tell you the sweet part first. It's been such a wonderful time here for us. It's been so sweet to minister here. The bitter part is it's our last time, and we're flying home this afternoon. But... Um, I would just like you to open up your hearts this morning as we minister this this final word. And I would like you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6 one more time. This has been our launching point uh, throughout this series of meetings. And while you're turning there, I just want to reference James chapter 5 and verse 16. Says the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man avails much, making tremendous power available. How many of you believe that? How many of you want to pray effectively? I don't know about you, but I spent years praying ineffectively. And I've confessed this to my wife, uh, even. For about a decade after I was saved as a young man in my teenage years, my prayer life pretty much consisted of, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this, saying a few things to the Lord as I would lay myself down to sleep at night, and whatever time I had between the time I laid down and I fell asleep, that's what the Lord got out of me. But I gave my testimony yesterday how the Lord led me in to spirit-led prayer. He first spoke to me and said, prayer school is no longer an option for you. Then after that, he said, study prayer. And I did that as diligently as I could, as diligently as I knew how I studied prayer. But then he joined me up with some folks that were very skilled in prayer, that took me by the hand and mentored me in the realm of prayer and intercession and absolutely changed my life I will never be the same after being exposed not only to the teaching of the Word of God on prayer. My father in the faith, Kenneth Hagan of course, taught on prayer consistently, and those that have mentored me. Uh, I remember one prayer meeting I was leading uh, several years ago, and there was a new lady that had, actually a couple that had come to our church, and they had come out of evangelical. Uh, evangelical type churches and just just solid, good-hearted people, and the lady came to me and said, "Can I can I come to your prayer group?" I had a prayer group every week on Thursday nights, and and I said, "Sure, come on over." And she started praying with us. And I remember one night I was going up the stairs to go pray, and the Lord said, "Worship tonight." Well, we worshipped every time, almost every time we went to prayer, but He said, "Worship tonight." And I knew what that meant. He said, just stick in there until you really get over into the presence of God. And we did that. And I'm telling you, we must, uh, six of us, just with our vocal cords, no instruments, not so much singers. I mean, if you heard me sing, you would agree with that. (laughs) But we just worshiped that night. And we got so far over in the presence of God, it's very difficult to describe. But it's to the point you don't even know if you have a body. And the presence of God is so thick, you feel like you could cut a piece out and take it home with you. And we were leaving our prayer meeting that night, and this new lady said to one of the other ladies that had been coming for quite a while, she said, I've been saved for a couple decades, or however long it was. This was, you know, 15, 20 years ago. She said, I've been saved for all these years. I have prayed a lot. I've prayed with other people. And she looked at my friend and she goes, but I didn't even know that place existed. And it changed her life. I'll tell you, when you get over in the spirit at times and you touch things in the presence of God and you get over in the spirit praying, I could just tell you experience after experience, but I'm not here to minister experiences today. I'm here to minister the Word of God. But I'm telling you, it absolutely transformed my life being, being involved in prayer over the years and, and, and being, having the privilege of being used in prayer by the Holy Spirit. It's one of the greatest joys of my life. So have you found Ephesians 6 yet? If you haven't, I'll come and lay hands on you and pray for you. Ephesians chapter six says, "Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil." Look at that phrase. Finally, my brethren, be strong. Be strong. Can I sense the Lord saying to us this morning, "Be strong." And if you read that in the weast it doesn't mean be strong at one point in time. It means to be constantly strong. And uh, Pastor Stephen and I are delighted because we perfected that machine last night. Uh, If you weren't here yesterday, you won't know what I'm talking about. We talked about a machine that if we walked under it, it would show our level of strength on a scale of 1 to 10. And I know you're probably not delighted about it, but... (laughs) but we're pretty delighted because we, we we got it working about 4 o'clock this morning and we want everybody to come and walk through this machine and it's going to show your level of strength on a scale of 1 to 10. No, I'm just kidding, but we talked about that yesterday. We talked about that all of us know what to do to get strong. I would say nearly everybody in here, if not everybody in this room today, if, if you were given an assignment by the Lord Jesus Christ that you were to to become the strongest in your spirit that you could possibly be in seven days, you wouldn't have to go to a seminar to find out how to get strong. We'd know what to do. Read the Bible, pray in the spirit, confess the word, worship God, all of these things that that add strength to our spirit. Well, as Paul is finishing this book, he says, finally, my brethren, be strong in in the Lord and in the power of his might. And if you look at verse 18, it says pray always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. So, I kind of like to make these my bookends. Be strong, praying always. Could you say that with me? Be strong, praying always. Let's say it again. Be strong, Praying always. Now those are our bookends, but let's just add a little bit more meat on the bone if we could. How, how are we to be strong? It says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I was reading this a while back and the Lord began to minister to me about being strong in the Lord. And I began studying this out and looking at some things, and I came across Brother Rick Renner's uh, Sparkling Gems from the Greek, and I happened to look at March 1st, which is my birthday, and I found this devotional, and I want to read part of it to you this morning. It says, the phrase, in the Lord, is a Greek phrase, that this special infusion of Dynamic supernatural power can be found only in one place, and that's in the Lord. Say found. Found. Only in one place. place. In In the Lord. The fact that Paul wrote this particular Greek case is very important because it tells us that this power is locked up in the person of Jesus Christ, And it can't be found anywhere else. Now let me take this one step further, Brother Renner said, so I can explain why it's so easy and uncomplicated for you to receive a new and filling of God's power in your life. This same locative case that describes the power of God being locked up inside of Jesus Christ is used nine times in Ephesians 1 where Paul uses it to declare that we are perpetually and infinitely locked up and inside the person of Jesus Christ. So how are we to be strong? In Christ Jesus. Have you read that in your New Testament anywhere? In Christ? Amen. Be strong. Let me say it this way. Be strong in your union in Christ Jesus. You remember uh, Jesus talked about Jesus being the door, the door into the realms of God. Our union with Jesus Christ has everything to do with anchoring us in a position to pray effectively. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Paul says that we are in him. This is Rick Renner again. Paul says that we are in him. In Christ, in whom, or in the beloved. Because these phrases are in the locative case, Paul is saying that we have actually been placed inside Christ. He has become our realm of existence and the place of our habitation. He continues. One more paragraph. (laughs) Just as you live at a certain physical address, you also have a spiritual address. You permanently reside inside the Son of God. He is your permanent home. A home from which you will never, ever move because you are locked up and securely placed inside of him perpetually. Wow, I love that. That was a birthday present. (laughs) Be strong in the Lord. Let me do the other end of the bookcase. <clears throat> praying always. So we are to be strong in the Lord in our union with Christ Jesus. I liked what someone said one time. They were ministering about the armor of God and they said, when you get dressed up in the armor of God and you're confronting the enemy, either just resisting the, the enemy in your own life. How many of you have had to do that? Resist fear, resist sickness, resist anxiety, any of those Junky things that he brings our way. When you get, this person said, when you get dressed up in the armor of God and you are resisting the powers of darkness, all the devil sees is those eyes and he can't tell if it's your eyes or the eyes of Jesus Christ because you're speaking in the name of Jesus. Now we want to be effective prayers. And Paul is telling us not only our position, which is in Christ Jesus, I love starting my own prayer time this way now. I just proclaim the fact that I'm an in Christ man. Jesus Christ lives in me. I'm in Christ. Christ is in me. I am learning more and more on a day-to-day basis who I am in Christ. I am learning more and more on a day-to-day basis who Christ is in me. Amen. Amen. The King of Glory. I'm all wrapped up in Him. I'm all bound up in Him. So this is my prayer position. I'm in Christ. Doesn't the Bible say, Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the works of the Lord? That's how we're going to be steadfast, knowing who we're in, knowing who we are united with. I'll tell you, it's a whole lot easier to be strong that way than to be strong in our own ability. It's like, oh, I'm going to be strong now. Oh, I'm going to... No, no, no. Strong in him. I love the picture that Gina gave yesterday about the, Jesus coming and wrapping his arms around her when she was trying to hit the ball out of the stadium. You would have to go back and listen to her message about that. But Jesus is always with us. We are always in him, positionally speaking. And Paul is saying here, remind yourself of that. You're not walking down here all by yourself. You're not orphans down here. You are joint heirs with him. You've been, you've been made alive with him. You've been raised with him. You are presently right now seated with him in heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion. Sometimes I, I just visualize this in my own mind. I just see myself seated with Christ in the heavenlies when I'm dealing with a significant problem in my life. And I I see that problem from his point of view, looking all the way down the earth, that little marble down there somewhere. And I'm looking down. That's where we are positioned right now. That's our position. And position in prayer is so important. We are locked up on the inside of Jesus Christ. If He's your Lord and your Savior, raise your hands right now and just swing them back and forth. Just make the devil mad. Because the devil thought... he, was, he made a way for you to never come to Jesus. Isn't that right? 2 Corinthians 4, 3, uh, 4, 4, The God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the glorious gospel of Christ should shine unto them. Before you were saved, he was keeping you from seeing the light of the gospel to become saved. After you become saved, he will try and blind your, a- your eyes from receiving the revelation knowledge of who you are in Christ. But we're on a mission we are on a mission. We're finding out more and more about who we are in Him and who He is in us. And I'll tell you, there's so much strength to be drawn from that. As we go back to Ephesians, read chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, we find out who we are. Chapter 4, he starts talking about walking in Christ, how to walk in Him, how to live every day in Him. We will... We will. Do- Receive so much power in our life as we keep ourselves mindful of the fact. But he didn't stop with just saying that we are to be strong in the Lord. He tells us how to do it. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The implication here is that for any believer that doesn't learn how to put on the armor of God, they're not able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Guess what? That's right where the devil wants you. He wants you not able to stand against the powers of darkness. But I'll tell you what. Our Father God, Jesus Christ Himself, and the Holy Ghost want you to be able to stand against the wiles of the devil yourself. Now he's backing us up. But we have a part to play. And Paul made it so simple. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. It sounds simple, doesn't it? It really is when we we boil it down. Now, I like something that I read in the Message Bible. This isn't the Message Bible isn't a word-for-word translation, far from it. It's not even a thought-for-thought translation. But it's, it's, it's a man taking what he sees in a chapter, and, and his intent is to write it in such a way to help believers understand what's being said. And I like this in verse 13. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get. Every weapon God has issued so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be standing on your feet. Now this is the part I really love. He just boils down all of the parts of the armor of God and makes a statement about them. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. Let me say that again truth righteousness peace faith and salvation are more than words learn how to apply them oh i love that learn how to apply them i don't know about you but for years when i when i heard teaching on the armor of god i would get so lost in what where all those pieces are on this roman soldier and what they what, what they represent symbolically. And don't misunderstand me, that's helpful to us. But there came a time the Lord began to minister to me about what these parts of the armor represent. Because we need to know as believers, I need to know how to be clothed with them. It says in another place in the Bible to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, put on the armor of light. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because this is who we are strong in. Isn't that right? So we have an assignment as believers to put some clothes on. God never meant for us to get saved and run around naked the rest of our life, Spiritually speaking. Right? Who wants to be going into prayer naked? We want to go into prayer fully aware that we are all wrapped up and bound in Jesus Christ himself. Christ is in me, I'm in him. But we also want to put on what Paul called the armor of God. And he broke it down into these words. And for the sake of this teaching this morning, I just want you to think about the words themselves and what these words mean. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation. I want you to think about those words. <clears throat> earlier we talked, earlier in, in the weekend, we talked about uh, learning the language of redemption, learning what these redemptive words mean. And I just want to make this very simple for you today uh, as we go through this. But I would like you to to think about the different parts of these armor as, as they pertain to your own life as what you carry around with you wherever you go. In other words, in the middle of your work day, if you hit something where, where you just need the presence or the power of God available to you to deal with something, what's in you? What are you carrying with you? Because that's what revelation knowledge is, and we need revelation knowledge of all of all of these topics, if I can say it that way. And I know your pastor teaches topically that, He's probably done a whole series on each one of these words. But for the sake of this morning, I just want to say we need to put on truth. We need to put on righteousness. We need to put on peace. Put on faith. Put on salvation. Put on the Word of God. Now, how do we do that in a practical sense? I believe it this way that it's through reading the Bible meditating the Bible, studying the Bible, spending time before God with the Bible open on scriptures relative to each one of these subjects, and we're allowing the Holy Spirit to teach them to us. When we come to church on Sunday or Wednesday night, we're we're allowing Pastor Stephen or others to minister the word of God to us. We're being taught the word of God. Now, what's happening in that process What's happening in that process is what Paul talked about in Ephesians 1, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we might what? No know, K-N-O-W, that we might know what is the hope of our calling. So this process of receiving the word of God in the form of revelation knowledge where the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the greatest teacher in the earth, that lives on the inside of you is revealing the word of God to you. That word revealed just simply means to take the cover off. And the Holy Spirit will begin to reveal these things to us and we'll understand that we've not only been made righteous, but we can now live righteous lives because of the power of Christ in us. Truth. Our loins are girt about with truth. Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth would what? Set you free. free. The truth you know is setting you free on a regular basis. How about peace? Jesus said, my peace I leave with you. So we have the peace of Christ to access any time we are full of anxiety, we are full of fear, we are full of torment. And, of course, salvation means the understanding of what the complete package of salvation has brought to us. Wearing that as a helmet, the knowledge of who we are in Christ, the knowledge of redemptive truths, the knowledge of what happened to Jesus on the cross and why it happened, the knowledge on what happened to him during the three days and nights, the knowledge of the fact that, that, he, that we died with him, We were buried with him. We were crucified with him. And bless God in Ephesians 2, it says we were made alive with him. We've been raised with him. And we are seated with him in heavenly places right now far above all principality and power. What am I saying? I'm saying when you study the Bible, when you come to church... When you apply yourself to be a student of the Word of God, you are putting your armor on day by day, week by week, month by month, and you are becoming more and more aware of who you are in Christ. You understand the power of truth as it is in the Word of God, you understand the power of righteousness. You understand the power of peace. You understand what salvation means to you and what you've been saved from and what you've been saved and delivered onto. It's all of these things coming together in your spirit in the form of revelation knowledge, and it's changing you from the inside out. It's changing the way you see life. It's changing the way you see people. It's changing the way you see the world. And bless God, it's changing the way you pray. Amen. Amen. Because all of us have gone to prayer with guilt and condemnation. But putting on the breastplate of righteousness just takes it all away. There's been times we've gone to pray and we're full of anxiety. We're just so taken up with the cares of this world and we're anxious. And Paul said, put on the gospel of peace as shoes on your feet. Walk in peace. Let peace be the guiding light in your life. Let, let be led by peace. Walk in peace. Wake up in peace. Go to bed in peace. And we've all found out that isn't always possible, is it? So many times we're, we're either going to bed in fear or we wake up in fear in the middle of the night, or we wake up in the morning and there's this undercurrent of fear trying to operate in our lives. But bless God, He has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Say it with me. I'm in Christ. I'm in Christ. Christ is in me. Is in me. I'm, strong in the Lord. I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. I have the armor of God on. on. So Paul talks about our position in Christ. He talks about our condition spiritually clothed in the armor of God. And then finally we get to the other book and praying in the spirit. Be strong, praying always in the spirit. And right in that little phrase right there is wrapped up so much of the things of God, so much of who we are, so much of who we can be, how we can operate down here on this corrupt earth. I thank God for the realm of in the spirit. We sensed it this morning in praise and worship. We ascended up out of this building, so to speak, in your spirit, and you just go up into the realm of God. I enjoyed it. I went on a journey during praise and worship this morning. It's fun to go on spirit journeys. Praying in the spirit. Isn't that a place you want to pray in and out of? Amen? Amen. So I would like you to keep these things in mind as we turn on over to Romans chapter 8, please. Romans chapter 8 and verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself, excuse me, makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. I would like you to look again at this phrase. We do not know what we should pray for as we ought. How many of you would agree with me this morning that that scripture is true? Let's just think about this for a few moments this morning. What does that mean that we do not know what to pray for as we ought? Now, we do know some things to pray for. Isn't that true? I mean, all we have to do is watch the news or read a newspaper, right? There's a great need out there. There may be needs in your own family. We know to pray for those things. But Paul is saying here, we do not know how to pray as we ought. Now, would you agree that God knows everything? (laughs) Oh, thank God he does. And the Spirit of God who lives in us connects us to the Father. Oh, what a union we have, not only in Christ, but we've been given another helper in prayer, the Holy Spirit. Now, let me just ask you this question this morning. I want you to think about it. What if all of our prayer totally in our lives was strictly limited to the needs that we are aware of? How, how much would that limit our prayer life? But what kind of dimension would be opened up when we're getting down to pray and our desire... And our goal is to be an effective prayer, right? We're not, we're not going to prayer to waste time. We want to be effective, right? So as we go to prayer and we're thinking about these things, we do not know, pray, know what to pray for as we ought. The Spirit himself begins to open things up for us because he knows all things. We are very limited in our prayer life if we are merely praying about the things we know about. And please understand me this morning. It's very important to pray about those things because you know about them for a reason. I'm just trying to expand your thinking with me. And I know many of you are already aware of this. I'm, I'm not teaching you anything new. I'm merely like Peter where he said, I want to stir you up by way of remembrance even though you know these things and you're already established in the present truth. For folks in that place, I just want to remind you that there is a whole dimension of prayer that we can access as believers where we learn how to cooperate with and yield to the Holy Spirit in prayer. And he will lead us into places of prayer and intercession where we're praying for things People, events, situations we had no idea even existed, but he did. And he's looking all throughout the earth to find believers that will make themselves available to him to be used in prayer and intercession for others. And many times we don't even know about these things. Oh, it's just such a... It's just such a, there's such a need for it in this hour. And you might say, well, I feel so ill-equipped. I feel so unable. I feel inadequate. I I feel like I don't have the training or the spiritual understanding to do that. Uh, I totally understand that. There was a time in my life I felt like that more often than I felt equipped and ready. And really, I think it's, it's twofold. The reason for that is twofold. We, we, we live in these fleshly bodies that are very limited. We have limitations in the earth. We thank God for them because it's the house we live in, right? But we have the, the limitations of our own mind. But we also have the devil warring against us, constantly pushing lies into our heart our ears. He'll sit on our shoulders and he'll lie to us. Have you found that out? He'll actually lie? It's all he does. He's a liar and a deceiver and those are the weapons he has to work with. Aren't you glad he's limited to lying and deceiving and we've got the armor of God to put on? (laughs) You talk about a war that's already won. But the point I'm making is this. He will try and talk you out of who you are in Christ He will try and talk you out of the fact that you are equipped to pray. And even if you've been saved for two days, you can pray. Amen? I mean, right where you are, in the season you are, you can pray for yourself, you can pray for your family, you can pray for other people. But bless God as we grow in Him, as we come to church year after year and month after month, we start to, some things start to come together for us. And we start to see some things. Have you ever read that scripture 50 times? And on the 51st time, you go, I see it. I see it. Well, you saw it 50 times with your natural eyes before, but what are you seeing it with now? You're seeing it with the eyes of your heart. And I want to tell you today, you are well equipped to pray where you are right now in your life. You don't have to become this big giant in prayer. But we're here to stir you up about spirit-led prayer, about your calling, about your place, about the fact that you are in Christ, that you can put on the armor of God. You can be an overcomer. You can be a victor. You can be someone that's a champion for God in prayer for someone else. And be a blessing to them and their life. And they will never even know you or see you till you all get to heaven. And they'll come up to you and say, thank you for praying for me. And you look at them and go, I don't even know if I prayed for you. Oh, yeah, you did. The Holy Ghost came onto you, uh, to you in, in, your prayer, in your prayer time. And, and you didn't know about it. But when you were yielding to the Holy Ghost and praying in tongues, you were praying for me and my family. And there was a great deliverance. In fact, God gave you one word in prayer that day. It might have been (laughs) Alibaba. And you had no idea what was going on, but God used that word coming out of your mouth and he brought deliverance into my, my life. Would you agree there's a need out there in the world? You are precious to God. I wish I had time this morning to walk around this room and stand in front of each and every one of you, look you square in the eyes and tell you, you are precious to God. The gifts on the inside of you, the heart that God has put in you, the hunger to know him, the desire to be used by him, the desire to to grow in integrity and character, it's God doing a work in you. And he loves you where you are right now. And he's wanting to take you by the hand and lead you into revelation knowledge of his word. You will know the truth and the truth will make you free, set you free. He wants to lead you in not only to a revelation of the knowledge of the truth, he wants to lead you into the knowledge of all spiritual understanding and equip you to pray in and by and yielded to the Holy Ghost. Oh, thank God for the Holy Ghost. For we do not know how to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Look at that phrase again. The Spirit helps our weaknesses. I know many of you have the Weast Bible studies in this church. Go ahead and read that. If not, maybe Pastor Stephen will print it out for you on a piece of paper about this verse. But it's not talking about physical weaknesses. It's not talking about sickness. It's not talking about physical infirmities. It's talking about spiritual weakness where our... It's talking about our inability to produce the desired results in prayer apart from the Holy Ghost. He comes to help. Aren't you thankful we have a helper in prayer? Now, in the original Greek, it means this, to take hold together with against. The word helps. The Greek word underneath it. Say it with me. To take hold together with Against, let's say it again, to take hold together with against. That's the Holy Spirit helping us in prayer. We do not know how to pray for as we ought, but I'm telling you when we ascend into the realm of the Spirit in our hearts, we get in the Spirit, we begin to become more uh, acquainted with Him, we become more aware of the realm of God than we are aware of the realm of the natural, the Holy Ghost begins to lead us and guide us into some places of prayer. And thank God He will not only lead us and guide us into these places of prayer, He will come along to help us to take hold together with against the powers of darkness. You talk about effective praying. Amen. Amen? Amen? Now I'd like you to think about this for a moment because... We're here to not only teach you the Word of God, but to stir you up and to encourage you in prayer. I want you to, with your mind's eye, visualize an inverted triangle. And at the very top of the triangle, there's bars all the way down this triangle till we get to the very point at the bottom. And we're going to fill these bars in with words. Now, would you agree there's two families in the earth? The family of God the family, that's not born again, not saved. Two families. So at the very top bar, we're going to put believers or Christians. People that, if you were to ask them the question, are you a Christian? They go, yes, I'm a Christian. But many people answer that question, yes, I'm a Christian. It's because they're not Muslim, because they're not some other religion. This is the, this is the religion that they've been identified with since they were a child. But not everyone that says they are Christians are Christians. Mm-hmm. So we've got the Christians, but then underneath that, we can write truly saved, mm-hmm. truly born again. Do you know there's a difference? Yes. Yes. Amen. The next bar down, we could write in, they're living as disciples of Christ. Amen. And the farther down we get this inverted triangle, I believe there's going to be less and less people. Does that make sense? The next bar down, we can write in daily fellowshipping with God in prayer. I wonder how many percentage of the the people that say, I'm Christian, have we lost now as we're going down this triangle. The next one is baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Let's keep going down the list because I want to make my point. How many live in a position of strength in their spirits and have a revelation of, I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a physical body? I'm telling you, it took me many years to discover that. I'm talking over a decade of being saved before I found out I was a spirit, I had a soul, and I lived in a physical body. You know that's important? I know you do. But not everybody knows that. The next level down is committed... To praying for others. People that are Christians. That are committed. To pray for others. Can you. Kind of see in your mind's eye. We're kind of narrowing down the crowd now. I wonder what percentage. Of every. Of the people in the United States. Right now. That if you were to ask them. "I'm a, Are you a Christian? And they said yes. I wonder how many of them. Have a revelation from the word of God, to even pray for others. And I'm not even talking about an intercession or by the spirit or anything. I'm just saying to, to see something in somebody else's life and go, they need God. And they go to prayer for that person. So the next level down, how many do you think, uh, well, we could write in, praying in the spirit. These are the people that have made it all the way down this inverted triangle. And they're the kind of people we're talking about this morning that have learned who they are in Christ. They've learned how to be strong in him and the power of his might. And let me just say this. They come into a revelation that we actually have an enemy. You know, that took me years as well because I grew up in church. I was there every Sunday. But I was well along in years before I was ever taught that I had an enemy that was arrayed against me. You might find that remarkable, but that's the truth. It was a church I grew up in. They weren't teaching me about the enemy that I had and the enemy that God had. But thank God I learned about it. How many people do you really think, understand these things and have come into the baptism of the Holy Ghost, have have learned things about how to pray, have learned how to sense the presence of the Holy Spirit in prayer, and learned how to yield to the Holy Spirit in prayer, what percentage are we talking about down here? I don't even want to put a number on it, but it's not real big. And I'm not saying that the other types of prayer are not ineffective. I'm not saying as I'm just emphasizing this morning how effective it is for each and every one of us as believers to be aware of the presence of God, to be aware of the Holy Spirit when we're praying, and then learn how to yield to the Holy Spirit in prayer, where we let him pray through us. Are you hearing me? Yesterday we talked about the prayer of intercession and how Brother Hagin said that back in the 80s when he ministered it, that the art of intercession would have to be resurrected again in the church. Well, if that's true then, how much more now? I wonder if God would like to expand this little group of believers down here at the bottom of this inverted triangle and and to to call and to draw more and more of his children into the realm of spirit-led prayer and intercession do you sense the spirit of God doing a work in your heart this weekend or this morning saying to you I want to call you in Like brother Hagan said the thing you know God uses each of us differently we're not supposed to be cookie cutters and look like and sound like everybody else in prayer that God has a unique way of using all of us but one common thread one common element in all of us that are that are giving ourselves to prayer and intercession for others is the cry of the Spirit. You know, there is the cry of the Spirit. There's the cry of the Spirit this morning for the lost city in this, excuse me, the lost people in this city. There's the call of the Spirit for those that are sick. I'm talking about prayer burdens that come to your heart, that God speaks to you to pray about assignments that he's giving you in prayer. Are you hearing me this morning? Are you like Isaiah this morning and say, Here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord, I'm available. Here I am, Lord, I will be one of those that's listening with my spiritual ear and tuned into the spiritual channel of what the Holy Ghost is saying unto me about my life. We're not given the responsibilities to pray about everything. But God will move on you in certain areas and certain things. He will put certain people on your heart. And he will, he will not only lead you into praying for those things, for those people. He'll come alongside of you to help, to take hold together with, against these things. And it's such a beautiful thing. I'm telling you, it's such a beautiful thing to come out of a time of prayer. I'm a huge believer in small corporate prayer groups. Because that's how I learned to pray myself. So this is just me talking. But you come out of a prayer meeting. It can be by yourself in your own home. You come out of your prayer closet. You come out of praying with your spouse or praying with another friend. And you've gotten together. As one puts a thousand to flight, two put ten thousand to flight. Amen? But you come out of those prayer meetings Where you have made yourself available to the Spirit of God. You have worshiped. You've gotten into His presence. You've declared the Word of God. You've declared the fact that you're in the door of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you've gotten over there into the realm of God while you're praying. And you come out of there knowing that God used you, your heart, and your words in prayer to help somebody else. You talk about a satisfied feeling. You talk about feeling fulfilled. And our, our mind may not, have understood, may not have understood a whole lot of what we were praying about that morning, but man, your spirit man did. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, again, that you might be able. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying with all manner of prayer in the Spirit. Wow, what marching orders. I'll tell you, our our tiny, puny little brain that sits between our ears, it just goes on full tilt when it hears all of those things. But I'm telling you, in your spirit, your spirit man's going, I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. I want to close with this. Yesterday morning, excuse me, yesterday afternoon, I was teaching about the prayer of intercession and how to become more aware of the Holy Spirit in our own own hearts when he's talking to us about praying for someone. Many places in Paul's writings, he said, pray for me. He said, pray for us, his team. Let me just read you a couple of those as we close. The very next verse in Ephesians 6, verse 19, and says, and pray for me that utterance may be given to me that I might open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Ephesians 6:19, Colossians 4, 2. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Look what he says next in verse 3. Meanwhile, praying also for us, that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which also I am in chains, that I might make it manifest as I ought to speak. Here's the great apostle Paul who said, yeah, I speak in tongues more than you all. You would think he'd have utterance, wouldn't you? But he's asking the body of Christ to pray for him and his team that they could make the word of God manifest as they ought to speak it. In 1 Thessalonians 5.25, you don't have to turn there. He says, brethren, pray for us. 2 Thessalonians 3.1, pray for us. He says it again. Hebrews 13.8 says, pray for us, for we are confident that we have a good conscience in all things to live honorably before you. So here's the great apostle Paul asking the body of Christ to, To pray for them. That they would have utterance. That they would have the ability to speak. That the word of God would go forth. That it would, like it says in the book of Acts, that the word of God went forth and prospered and it increased. Don't you want the word of God to increase in this city? I want to encourage you to pray for the ministers of this city. And finally, I want to encourage you to pray for your pastors. I want to encourage you to pray for whoever fills the pulpit in this church. On Sunday mornings, on Saturday nights, whenever the Lord brings it to you, it can be in your car on the way to church. And you can begin to pray for pastor and say, Oh, Father, I thank you for pastor. I thank you that he had the spiritual insight and the strength to to." initiate this church, to plant this church. I thank you for him. I thank you that he is strengthened with might by your spirit in the inner man. I thank you this morning he speaks as of the oracles of God and ministers with the ability that you give him. Oh, Father, I ask you this morning as a believer, as a member of this church, I pray for my pastor and I thank you that you are filling him with boldness, that he is speaking forth the word of God with boldness and that out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water this morning. I thank you that the word of God is going to come out of him and it's going to be as though it's shot from a bow and that arrow is going to go into the hearts of men and women sitting in this service this morning and all that hear it on the internet. And you can just yield yourself over praying for your pastor. Now, he may not ask you to do that. Perhaps he has. But as a member of the body of Christ and someone that has read what Paul has asked for, I'm asking you to pray for Pastor Stephen and Connie. To pray for their family. Because they're on the front lines. They're getting the vision. They're seeing They're walking it out. Amen? We're talking this weekend about Spirit-led prayer and how to pray by the Spirit and in the Spirit. I want you to think about the takeaways. Jesus, Gina talked about Jesus being the door. Are you taking that home with you? Are you taking home a heart to hear the voice of the Spirit of God when He speaks to you to pray for Somebody else. Amen. Are you taking home this weekend a desire to be stronger in the Lord and in the power of His might more than you've ever been? Amen. Like next year when you come back on this date and you come to church and go, oh yeah, that prayer conference was one year ago. I'm stronger than I was then. Amen. And finally, I want you to take away from this weekend that we have a helper in prayer. Amen. The Holy Spirit. Oh, bless God. Can I ask you to play on the keyboards just a little bit right now? And we're going to close. Amen. Hallelujah.